privileged to have our middle school pastor, Pastor Amber Gaddis, who is going to speak to us. I heard in the I heard the first service message. Amber, incredible! You guys are get ready. This is awesome. The best middle school pastor in the world, and we are so glad Amber is with us. Hey, good morning. Okay, awesome. Uh, maybe you're like, man, this girl's voice sounds so familiar, but I'm not sure that I've seen her before. Um, I'd like you to join me in doing something. Go ahead and close your eyes. Go, do it. We're not going to do anything weird. Just close your eyes. And I want you to listen to this. Good morning, and welcome to Kingwood Church. We're so excited you decided to worship with us today. I'm the voice of the announcements. So um, you're, you're like, man, I, I don't know how to place her. But, uh, man, I'm excited to, to be sharing with you this morning. Um, like Pastor Mark said, I, I'm the middle school pastor, and it is my great honor uh, to get to minister to your middle schoolers uh, every week. Uh, God has just done amazing stuff this past year. We had 11 middle schoolers get baptized at Beach Freak. Uh, tons of middle schoolers made decisions uh, to give their life to Jesus or follow Jesus. Uh, throughout the course of the school year, um, students have been in small groups and have just grown closer together. Um, I don't know if you remember, but, but middle school's hard, and uh, having good friends is, is a big deal. So we've had uh, really amazing small group times. Our middle schoolers are serving uh, in our church. Some of them serve in Critterland. We had a middle schooler playing bass for worship team this morning, um, which is pretty amazing to me. And uh, right now they are across the street um, with our middle school adult leader team. I promise I didn't leave them by themselves. Um, I know them as well as you do, and maybe not as well as you do, but uh, I, I know they shouldn't be left alone. So um, <laughs> I promise you they are, are well supervised. Uh, I, have the, I have the best middle school team in the world, the, the best volunteers uh, and people who jump in and just love Jesus and love your kids. And so uh, it, is, it is just the joy of my life. And um, I don't know if you remember middle school, but middle school's tough, right? Uh, you're trying to, like, figure out if you're cool or not. You're trying to, like, suddenly, like, your clothes matter, uh, who you hang out with, what kind of music you listen to. Um, and, and suddenly it's like all these things are changing. And I've, as I was preparing this week and uh, thinking over the past month, I was like, man, God, you really had me, like, hanging out with middle schoolers for, for a long time. And uh, I, I'm a graduate of Master's Commission here at the church uh, I did three years here, but in order to pay my tuition to come back every year, um, I worked at a camp in South Florida uh, called Life Freeze Camp, and my job was this. I was responsible for 20 to 25, 10, and 11-year-olds. Yes, so fun, right? Uh, but it was my job. I, I took them from activity to activity, and for 11 weeks in the hot Florida summer, um, we just hung out, and we played really hard, and we loved Jesus, and it was, it was amazing. Um, but there's one kid in my group. There's always that one kid, right? Uh, there's one kid in my group named Sean. And Sean was, was 10 years old, but he was, he was kind of like the smallest guy in our group, right? Like everybody was a lot taller than him. And what he lacked in height, he made up, it, like, in for, he made up for in pizzazz. Like he just was excited about everything. Everything was fun. And uh, the camp, like not all the activities are all that great, um, but like Sean would be excited if we were playing ping pong if we were playing dodgeball, uh, there was this activity called water ball where you just throw those like squishy water balls at somebody, um, and he lived for it. So, uh, but the highlight of camp at this point in time was something called the ski machine. Now, um, if you've never heard of ski machine before, uh, it is a piece of redneck ingenuity. Uh, I, think, I think we have a picture of it. Yeah, there we go. Uh, so here's, here's what the ski machine is. It's an old Ford Mustang engine 
attached to what I can only describe to you as a helicopter propeller. So, and it's on this cement slab in the middle of the lake, so a lifeguard swims out to it, cranks the key, and like just turns it up, and as it does, kids hold onto a rope at the end of one of the helicopter propeller sides, and it drags them through the water. Um, this is totally safe. Uh, all the parents are cringing. Um, and the goal is for them to become airborne, so they're, you know, they're flying above the water. And so, bless Sean's heart, he, this was his favorite thing at camp, and he was not good at it at all. Um, and every week we would get to Ski Machine, and he'd be like, Amber, this is the week I get airborne. I know it. I've been training. I've been working out. This is the week. I'm like, Sean, if you're working out, um, that's good. Uh, but so every week he would go, and he would maybe get one lap around uh, the cement slab holding onto the rope, and then he would fall off. And it was the last week of camp, 11 weeks, and Sean signs up for my group again. And we get to Ski Machine, and I'm sitting there, and I'm talking with some of the other campers, and Sean comes over to me, and he puts his hand on my shoulder, and he goes, look into my eyes. It's like, this is very weird. Uh, today's the day. I'm going to get airborne on Ski Machine. I was like, yeah, okay, Sean, whatever. So he puts on his life jacket. He swims out there, and I'm talking to the other kids, and I don't think much about it until one of them is like, hey, look. And sure enough, Sean has made one full lap around the Ski Machine. And I'm like, this could be the day, right? So I'm like kind of half standing up. Sean goes around a second time, and he's gaining speed. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is the day Sean has been waiting for his entire life. And Sean comes around the Ski Machine that third time, and just as his toes come out of the water, he, I, he's smiling, right? Like I, like, I just see this big, goofy grin. And I don't know if he's overexcited or is hurting his arms, but he lets go, and he just skips across the water. <laughs> and I'm standing up like this, and I'm like, ah, ah, Sean, <laughs> buddy. Um, but as soon as Sean, like, gets up out of the water and is, like, kind of, you know, figured out where he's at, he's like, Amber! Amber, did you see that? I was airborne! Um, I'd like to tell you that I'm not cynical at times. Um, and in that moment, I was like, in my head, I was like, Sean, no, no, you didn't. Um, you kind of like skipped across the water like a little garbanzo bean, like just boop, boop, boop. Um, it wasn't really, really the best. But, but in that moment with Sean, I, I had this choice um, to use my voice because my voice mattered to him. And so I looked at Sean. I said, yeah, buddy, you did such a great job. That was amazing. Because Sean already knew he wasn't going to be a pro ski machiner, right? Like, this was not the thing he was going to the Olympics for. Um, but all day after that, you could not tell Sean anything, right? Like, he, he was the greatest of all time. Um, and I, I think this moment with Sean always sticks out um, in my head because I think the truth of it is we're so often faced with these kinds of moments. Moments where we can use our voice in a way that builds other people up. And use our voice to call out the reality of who God says they are instead of add and pile on to the voices of everyone else. In Genesis, we read that we're created in God's image. And I just wonder how many times we miss the opportunity to use our voice to look at someone and say, hey, I see God's fingerprints all over you. And I know you might not feel it right now, but man, like you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Like, like man, you, like, you are a co-heir of Christ. Like you are amazing. But so often we, we don't, think that, that our voice matters. Because let's be honest, life's hard, right? Life's hard. Yeah, we're in church, don't lie, come on. Life's hard. And sometimes we don't make it any better with our words. But the truth of it is, our, our voice matters, and what you and I have to say really does matter. 
Um, the other night, um, I was laying in bed, and um, I was watching this recipe video on Facebook. Um, it was like a chicken, buffalo chicken thing. Um, and then like 45 minutes later, I was like watching cats struggle yarn. Um, anybody ever been there? You're like, how did I get here? I don't even like cats or yarn. Um, man, where did the time go, right? Um, so I'm sitting in bed, and I'm watching and listening to different things, and I just, this thought comes upon me of how many thoughts do I have on a day, like on a regular day? And so I got on Google, and I did a Google search, because everything we search on Google is true. Um, just kidding. Uh, but I, I did a Google search, and I found out that the average person has anywhere between 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day. Some of you are thinking about your family. You're like, that 12,000 number sounds real right. Um, but you have 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day, and 98% of those thoughts are the same thoughts you had the day before. We're creatures of habit. But here's what the even crazier part. Of those 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts we have every day, 80% of our thoughts are negative. Whether it's the way we think about ourselves or other people. And you and I walk around in a world of people and we're surrounded by people who are living on repeat in their mind, their shame and their mistakes and their regrets and, and all the things they've done wrong. And maybe just maybe our voice does matter because it cuts that track that plays in our mind of all the things we've done wrong and that we have the ability to speak life and hope and truth into people's every day. Into their everyday living and breathing, we have the ability to use our voice in a way that matters. So how important is it, is it for you and I in, in this room who have decided that we're going to follow Jesus to use our voice in a way that matters? Because if you've made a decision to follow Jesus in this room this morning, you and I hold the hope of the world inside of us. The hope of the world. Now tomorrow, when you wake up about 5, 5.30, um, you're not going to feel like you hold the hope of the world, right? You're going to be like, I need a cup of coffee. My breath stinks. I'm, I'm just not ready to face the day. And we don't always feel that way. We don't always feel like we hold the hope of the world. But when we take time to really dwell on the truth of what it means to be, to be a daughter or a son of God, like it means that we hold the hope of the world inside of us. And we live in a world that needs it. And so our words carry a tremendous, tremendous weight. And while it's incredible and it's true and it feels good to say, it's not always easy to speak those words. It's easy to have opinions, but to really take time to speak life into people around us is difficult. And I'm sure it will come as no surprise to you to know that we are not the first generation of people with this problem, right? Uh, if, you, if you have any, familiar, any familiarity with the Bible, uh, th this isn't a new problem. And if you're new to Kingwood this morning, we, we've been in a series all summer uh, called Viral. We've been going through the book of Acts and talking about the spread of the gospel and the tremendous impact that it made and continues to make. And so this morning uh, is no different. We're going to continue uh, in Acts and look in Acts chapter 18. Um, we're going to talk about Paul. And in case you aren't familiar, Paul, at this point in the story, has been traveling from city to city, sharing the gospel. And now he's arrived in Corinth. And Paul knew that this was a big deal. Uh, him being in Corinth had the ability for more people uh, to come and hear the gospel. Corinth was a pretty popular place. Uh, but in case you're not familiar with your ancient biblical cities, which most of us aren't, um, Corinth was, was kind of rough. And actually putting it rough was really nice lately. Corinth was, was scandalous. 
Um, and if the Real Housewives had existed back then, uh, there would be a Real Housewives of Corinth. Um, and you would not want to watch it. But uh, it was, Corinth was a hot mess. And uh, so Paul is there and he's sharing the gospel with Jews and Gentiles and he's preaching and the gospel was spreading. But the problem was Paul w- w- was getting persecuted. He was being mocked and opposed at every turn and he was worn out and tired and he was just ready to, to throw in the towel. He was ready to give up. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm, I'm like Paul, like I can be over it. And so Paul, we, where we pick up in the text this morning, he's just kind of over it. He's done He's worn out. He's been oppressed from every side. And this is where we pick up in Acts chapter 18, verse 9. If you brought your Bible today, uh, that's where we're going to be. If not, we have it on the screen. And if not, it lives on that square in your pocket. So um, it glows too. It's super impressive. But uh, Acts chapter 18, let's look at verse 9. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you and no one is going to attack you. And harm you, because I have many people in this city. Um, if you're taking notes uh, this morning, I, I would encourage you to go ahead and pull that out. Um, I have a joke with our teenagers that if you take notes, you get into heaven first. Um, I know that's theologically wrong, probably, but just like imagine showing up to the gates like with all these journals. You're like, I took notes forever. Let me in first. Um, so, don't email me. I know, I know that's not the case, but I really like the idea. So. Uh, Point number one this morning, if you're taking notes to get your fast pass into heaven, um, is this. We must keep speaking. We must keep speaking. Judging by what we just read, it's pretty safe to assume that, that Paul was tired, but he was also afraid. And we don't really get to know why Paul's afraid. We, we know that he um, maybe was afraid that his work would be cut short um, by, by different religious groups in Corinth, or maybe... Uh, he was afraid of having to live and, and be inside of a society that was opposite of the way someone who loves Jesus would live, that didn't hold the same values as him. But either way, no matter what, what it was, Paul is worn out and tired and afraid. And God speaks to Saul, and he says, don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. Um, I don't know about you, but telling someone to not be afraid when they're afraid doesn't normally work very well. Um, unless you're God. But uh, growing up, we had a basement. Anybody have a basement? Basements are scary. Uh, I remember growing up all the time, I would go downstairs to the basement uh, to get something, and I hated it because it was super dark, and you had to go down the stairs and run across and jump up and grab the string and turn on the light. Um, And every time my dad would ask me to go to the basement, I'd be like, Dad, no, please, it's so scary. And he'd be like, just don't be afraid and do it. Um, But sometimes we we need to be told to do the very thing we don't want to do. Amen? Sometimes we don't want to do the thing that we've been told to do, and yet God speaks to Paul and says, don't be afraid. And and here's why God instructed Paul to keep speaking and to not be afraid. Paul didn't need more podcast material. Paul didn't need more quotable content for Instagram. God knew that Paul's words had the ability to bring light and hope into a place like Corinth, a place that was desolate and dark and broken. Paul's words could pierce the darkness and speak life and hope. And although we aren't in Corinth this morning, thank God, um, I think God's challenge to us as a church this morning is to keep speaking. Not that we haven't spoken in the past, or or maybe not even that you're not speaking right now, but sometimes within our own selves, within our own frustration and difficulties and and busyness, there's this, sometimes we just give up. God, God, that, I know I'm supposed to talk to that coworker, but 
but man, God, like, it's just a busy day. I got a lot going on. And I don't necessarily think it's even that we've lost our passion to do it. Because let's be honest, it's not that we usually don't want to talk to people about Jesus. I've yet to be in a service where somebody was like, "Mm mm-mm, not doing it. Like, I am not talking to them about God. It's just not happening. No, like, like we all wouldn't be here unless someone told us. (laughs) Or someone told your mom or your grandma. or, Or like, we're all a product of somebody continuing to speak. And so it's not that we don't want to talk. I think it's more the fact that sometimes we're, we're not sure what to say. Um, this morning, uh, as a pastor of this church, um, I just feel in my heart that I, I need to divulge a secret of mine to you. I am um, a terribly awkward human being. It's okay. You can laugh. Um, I, I, like, I'm, I'm a very awkward person. Um, uh, the older I get, the more aware of it I become, and I just embrace it. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm a little awkward. If you, uh, if you ask any of my closest friends, they'll be like, yeah, yeah, sometimes you're a little weird. Um, and, and it's not that, like, I just can't help it. It's just my personality. Um, for instance, when I first moved to the South, you guys hug so much. <laughs> like, like, I felt like everyone was greeting each other as if they hadn't seen each other in years. They're like, no, we saw each other this morning. Oh, it's so good to see you. Um, it was a very big adjustment period. Um, so sometimes, like, if I meet someone for the first time, like, I'm very awkward because I'm trying to, like, read, like, are we hugging? Is it, like, a handshake moment? Like, are we high-fiving? Like, I, I always prefer the high-five. Um, after first service, I had, like, 18 hugs, which is fine. Like, I get it. But um, uh, sometimes I'm just awkward. I, I'm, I'm a weird person. Not weird, but just sometimes social stuff's hard. Uh, but despite my own awkwardness, I'll be out and about. I'll be living my life, and I'll feel this nudge from the Holy Spirit. It's like, Amber, hey, that person right there, go, go talk to them. I'm like, God, no. Like, what do I say? Like, that's so weird. Like, hi, I'm Amber. You like Jesus? Yes or no? Okay, bye. <laughs> and, and it's weird, and it's awkward, and I think sometimes as, as the church, we haven't done a great job of painting the picture for this, right? We're like, when you go to talk to someone, Bethel will be playing in the background and Kirk Cameron will come around the corner and give you a high five and and you'll share the gospel and they'll get on their knees in the target aisle and repent and it'll be amazing and and, and all these awesome things will happen and people will cheer. Can I tell you 90% of the time, actually 99% of the time, because I'm believing for the 1% Jesus, like that doesn't happen for me. I'll be in target and and God will point somebody out and he'll be like, that person, I'm like, God, they are trying to get their shop on. Leave them be. <laughs> but yet, I'll, I'll feel this nudge, and I'll, I'll feel this push to, to keep, go say something. And it's, I'm like, hey, I uh, like your shirt. Okay, you, okay, all right, bye. Like, like I'm awkward. <laughs> but despite my own awkwardness and, and my own hang-ups, it never ends badly. Because genuine, heartfelt care and concern for other people says more than not acknowledging them. So even if it's weird and even if it it doesn't feel right, do it anyways. Speak up, say something. When we have these types of conversations with our coworkers, with people around us, it opens doors. Um, The first movie I ever saw in theaters was Aladdin. The old one. I've been to the movies. Um, <laughs> some of y'all are like, she is so sheltered. Um, 
Uh, I've been to the movies. Uh, the first time I ever saw an animated movie as a child, uh, I, was, I was maybe five or six, and uh, my dad took me to see Aladdin, and if I'm honest with you, Jafar scared the, like, just scared me real bad. Uh, so much so I was holding some Skittles in a bag, and I remember I got scared, and I threw them up, and you could hear the Skittles, like, like down, down the aisles, and so that was my first movie experience. Um, but I remember I liked Aladdin so much because it was the first time I had ever heard the phrase, open sesame, right? And when you're a kid, when you first hear that, you're like, this is so awesome. Like, if I say these words, everything opens to me. It's a whole new world. Get it? Whole new, okay. Um, but uh, thank you. Thank you. That was free. Um, but I just thought it was like the coolest phrase ever, right? Aladdin uses it to, to get the treasure. But for like the next weeks and months, anytime I went to like the mall or the grocery store, I would stand in front of the automatic doors and I'd be like, mom, hold on open sesame. And they would open and I'd turn around and like look back at her and be like, see, see what I did? And she was like, just go in the store, Amber. Um, but uh, maybe, maybe it was a growth spurt, who knew? But uh, I've actually been this tall my whole life. Um, but no, I think I was able to trip the sensors. But I loved it. I loved the power of being able to open the door. And I think we sometimes forget that our words and the way we treat other people has the ability to open the door to the gospel. It, we make it so much harder than it has to be. Um, I've seen more charts on how to win somebody to Jesus um, than, than a lot of people probably have in their lifetime. But yet all of it could be boiled down into one thing. Just keep speaking. Just don't give up when everybody else says, speak the truth. Sometimes we get so caught up in, in what are they going to say or what are they going to think or what are they going to say about me or, or what if they think I'm some crazy radical? So what? They rejected Jesus and look, look at him. He's doing just fine. Maybe, just maybe, you sharing and you speaking changes somebody's perception on Christians for the better. What if they go, oh, oh man, they, like, I've always thought people who love Jesus were this way, but like, they're actually really amazing. Because our, our words matter. What we have to say matters. We have to keep on speaking. There's someone in your life, in your circle today, that needs to hear from you. Somebody maybe at work tomorrow, maybe it's somebody in your carpool for next school year that you've been in a group chat with. Maybe it's a team you coach. Maybe it's just the person at the gas station who looks like they're having a hard day. There are people in our path. And Paul knew this was true too. He knew that even though it was difficult and even though he felt rejected and alone, that, that he couldn't give up. Look back at verse 10 with me for just a second. For Look at what God says, for I am with you and no one's going to attack you and harm you because I have people in this city. Guys, God promises his presence. That's what makes it possible. That's what makes it possible to share and to speak. And I think the way we reach our city and we reach Shelby County isn't through more Jesus stuff, but it's through knowing that we love people and we have God's presence. And when we put those two together, it, it can change the world. We, it has to be accompanied with his presence. So God tells Paul, I'm, I'm with you. And when you speak, I'm with you. And the same is true for us. He, he dwells inside of us. He goes with us and he wants to speak through us. But, but Amber, uh, you do this all the time and you're, you're a pastor. Yeah, whatever, okay? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me and lives in you and you and you and you. It doesn't change. We have to keep speaking. Paul writes in Romans uh, 10, verse 14, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? 
And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? If you write in your Bible, that's a great place to underline. How can they believe unless someone tells them? We have a responsibility to speak, to reach our family and our friends in Shelby County. We have to keep speaking. So, so Paul is discouraged, and, and he gets this vision from the Lord. But, but look with me at verse 11. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. Here's what I love about this story. Paul, Paul's not motivated. He's not excited about life. And Paul hears from God, and he doesn't pack his bags and leave until it gets better. And go, when, when this is like, you know, when this is more conducive to what I like, then I'll come back. And said Paul digs his heels in, and, and he decides to stay for another year and a half. How, do you know some, how many of you know sometimes staying for a year and a half is a long time when it's really hard? Yeah, come on. I moved to Alabama, and I was like, Jesus, one year. That's all you got. It, it'll be 11 years in September. Uh, but, but sometimes God calls us not to run and chase the latest and greatest thing, but instead to sink our feet into our community and say, God, I'm going to speak, and I'm going to be your mouthpiece, and yeah, it's going to be hard, but, but I believe it's going to get better. He stayed put, which leads me to point number two, if you're trying to get into heaven first. We have to speak from where we are. So Paul stays put, right? He's, he's there in Corinth longer than he had been anywhere else up until this point on his missionary journey. Why? Because he knew what God wanted to do. And even though it hadn't happened yet, and even though things weren't ideal, he was willing to embrace the current reality as long as it was accompanied with the hope and the truth and the power of the gospel. Listen, you, you can get through just about anything when you know the reality of who, of who Jesus is. Um, I don't know about you, but um, I was just on vacation for two weeks with my family in Florida, um, and I, I noticed something about us. We watch a lot of HGTV. Anybody? Come on. You flip. You're like, I, I am going to be chipping Joanna Gaines. Um, so we were watching a lot of like these like Property Brothers and Dream Home, uh, and then we got on this show called like uh, Lottery Changed My Life or something. Um, I'm not endorsing the lottery. Um, lottery Dream Home, that's what the show is called. And uh, so we're sitting there and we're watching, and I noticed we were making a lot of statements like this. If I had that, then my life would be like this. And I started to think about it, and I'm like, man, I, I wouldn't mind a pinball machine. I wouldn't mind an espresso maker. I would love marble countertops. But having those things won't change my life. Having those things won't fix the brokenness within my heart. And I can't help but think, how many times as followers of Jesus do we think this way? Well, when I go through this, or once I get, join a small group, or once I'm in a life group, or once I'm serving, then I can tell people about Jesus, and then my life will change. And the reality is God kind of wants to use you right now. He's not interested in you getting gold stars on your Christian chore chart. And although they look real cute, I love a gold star. It's not the deal. If we look at Paul's life, he didn't wait for, for Corinth to get better. And we don't have to wait either. Just judging by the, the sheer size of the amount of people in this room this morning, uh, there's people in here who, who know the pain of divorce. You know what it's like to, to have a, a difficult marriage. There's people in this room this morning who, who know what it's like to be in pain. Maybe you've lost somebody way too soon. 
Maybe you're, you're in this room and, and you, you struggle with depression and anxiety. Maybe you're just in a season where you feel real lonely. But this morning, before the enemy can start to play games with your mind and, and change the way you feel and make you feel ashamed or embarrassed, can I just tell you something? Your situation right now doesn't define you. You're not disqualified. So many times we're like, okay, in five years from now when I'm doing this, then no, 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 God loves the you of today and wants to use the you of today. We're not promised tomorrow. So why wait? When we go through these types of things, it doesn't just make it so our lives are more miserable. It gives us the ability to speak into people's lives on a whole nother level. When I was a teenager, I went, went through a lot of stuff that was really difficult. Um, and I remember being at church and people being like, God's going to use this mess for good. And I was like, I, I don't know. Like, no, this hurts and it's painful and, it, and it's not fun. But can I tell you something? God is a God of redemption. And when the enemy tries to come and take something away, God redeems it. And he's really good at it. And so why, let's not wait. Let's not wait. Instead, let's function from our reality. Let's function from what's real and what's true. Because people aren't looking for a perfect person. There's one perfect person, his name is Jesus. And I just wonder what would happen. I wonder what would be more possibly, could be more possibly viral than a community of believers in Alabaster who say, hey, my life is not perfect. Some things are a hot mess. And I know the only way I'm going to make it through this day or this week or this month is because of the God I know. And can I just tell you about him? Can I just maybe share my story with you? Because I think the greatest testimony isn't the one where things automatically get better. Because that's easy to sit through. But it's the one of someone who stays planted. Who doesn't run when things get tough, but instead lives their life open and authentic and points towards Jesus and says, hey, this is really hard, but, but, but there's a God who's real. And that's what Paul did. He, for the next year and a half, he remained, and many came to know the Lord. Paul, Paul sunk his feet in. But maybe you're thinking, okay, Amber, like, that's all very inspirational. Thank you. Um, but what about when Paul was being oppressed? What about when Paul was, was being forced from, from every side and it seemed like everybody was against him? What do we do when people don't want to hear what we have to say? Which leads me to my third point. You're so close to getting into heaven first. I'm going to mail you a magic band. Um, which leads me to point three this morning. We speak despite the response. There's going to be times in our life where we're going to speak and people won't want to, have to, won't want to hear what we have to say. Parents of teenagers, sometimes you talk and you feel like you were talking to no one. I know because I work with your teenagers. No, I'm <laughs> There's times in our life where we talk and we feel like, like no one's hearing the words coming out of us. But that doesn't mean you get to stop speaking. You just find somebody else, Right? Like, okay, well, Amber, I'm trying to share with my neighbor Susie. I'm trying to tell her about the gospel, and she just doesn't want to hear it. Well, the truth of the matter is you probably have 18 other neighbors who would love to hear it and would love to have somebody bring them cookies. We make this thing so complicated. And the words of the great poet and philosopher Taylor Swift, <laughs> sometimes you just got to shake it off. Shake, shake, shake it off. But really, sometimes we, we just got to shake it off and we go, okay, Holy Spirit, who's next? What, what's next? I, I'm ready, I'm willing, they don't want to hear it. Okay, I, I still love them, but, but who's next? 
And that's exactly what Paul did. Look with me at Acts 18, verse 5. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying, which which just means to sharing his story, to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes. See, Taylor Swift, that's where she got it from. And said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. So, so Paul's saying, listen, if you, if you don't want to hear it, that's fine, um, but I want to find somebody else who will. We, we, I think sometimes as Christians, we, somebody doesn't immediately receive what we say. We allow ourselves to grow calloused and cold-hearted, and, and, and we start to think things about people that's opposite of, of the truth of who they are. Sometimes people aren't in a season to receive yet. Sometimes you, you just plant the seed. Sometimes you get to water it. Sometimes you get to watch it grow. We have to stop getting upset and instead ask the Holy Spirit, okay, what, what's my next move? Imagine if you went into your prayer time this week and just asked Holy Spirit, what's the next move? I guarantee you he would tell you something awesome. And it would be a lot more simple than you think. I don't think it would necessarily be like, hey, move to Africa. I think it might be, hey, stop being a jerk to your coworker sitting two chairs over from you that always clicks her pen. She's nervous and has anxiety. Why don't you be kind to her? So we, we have to speak despite the response. But I want us to go all the way back, to circle back to the verse we started with this morning. Remember, Paul was discouraged, and he was trying to reach people that God um, had, had brought him to in Corinth. But look at this reminder God, God gave him one more time, verse 10. For I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. Which leads me to my last and final point this morning. Your voice matters because people matter. That's why God didn't let Paul take a break. Instead, he, he implores Paul and he goes, Paul, like, this is too big of a deal. I can't, I can't let you stop. You have to speak the truth. You have to bring hope. You have to bring light to this situation. People matter and need to hear this message. This message of hope, this message of redemption, this message of insane acceptance. They, they, they need to hear it. And you're the one who has to bring it. And I just wonder this morning if God isn't trying to remind us that, that there's people in your life today that matter and need to hear your voice. Um, when I was about 15 years old, my, my parents uh, went through a really messy divorce. Um, it, it, was, it was public and um, a bunch of things happened and uh, it was really hard on me. And up until that point, um, I, I really hadn't done anything crazy. Like I, I was a pretty good kid. I, I was in AP classes. Um, you know, I, I had goals. And um, when all that went down, so much anger and, and hurt and brokenness in my heart um, just welled up and, and seemed to take over how I thought and, and perceived the world. And um, I just was really, really hurting. And the whole time God w- was trying to get my attention, because um, how many of you know when, when we're hurting and broken, it's like God's like, hey, I'm right here. Just like, come on. Um, and uh, God was trying to get my attention, and I got invited uh, to this, this church outreach kind of thing. I didn't know what it was at the time. I just knew they had chocolate-covered gummy bears when I was in um, <laughs> because uh, I like the gummy bears. And uh, so I got invited to this thing, and um, they, they were like, hey, like, we, we loved having you come uh, to, to our, uh, they called it their net because, you know, like fishers of men, they caught me. Um, I'm a catch. And... Uh, <laughs> 
Some of you didn't get that, but that's okay. You're, you're worth the wait. Um, but uh, So they invited me uh, to this thing called a cell group, and I was like, no, thank you. I don't want to be part of your biology club. And uh, they're like, no, it, it's a small group of, of girls that gets together once a week, and they just hang out and talk about life and Jesus. And I was like, okay, like, I, I'm, I'm an extrovert, and I like friends, so yes, let's do it. Um, and so throughout my junior and senior year of high school, every Monday night, um, I met with the same group of, of eight girls. Um, I think we have a picture of them. Still rocking the same hairstyle. I'm faithful. Um, over there on the far left. But uh, for, for two years, every Monday night, uh, I would go to my friend Jillian's house, and, and we would sit, and we would talk about life, and they would say all kinds of stuff about God and faith, but they had really good snacks. And... Um, they would say things to me that I didn't want to hear sometimes. And uh, they were just the most honest group of friends I'd ever had in my life. And when I decided to uh, make a decision to, to follow Jesus, to not just go to church and go to events, but really lay my life down and say, not my way, God, but yours, um, this group of girls was there for me. They, they walked through some of the hardest seasons of my life with me, and, and I'm so grateful that they saw me this broken, hurting teenager, because they were all older than me, and just said, hey, like, we want to invest our lives into her. Uh, this group of, of girls are, are still some of my closest friends to this very day. Um, some of them are, are missionaries around the world. Some of them um, are, are business owners. And I'm just so thankful that there was a group of girls in Vero Beach, Florida, who thought I was worth investing in, who thought I, I was worth speaking into. And I just, I just wonder this morning as, as we begin to close, um, if God hasn't been talking to some of you all service, that, that prod to the stomach I was talking about, if God hasn't been trying to get your attention and remind you that there's people in your path and in your life that matter, that, that need to hear your voice, that need to hear what you have to say. And so this morning, more than just give you an inspirational message or or a reminder, I want us to, to have time to respond to, a, to what God's doing in our hearts. And so this morning, all, I, all I'd like to do is this. I'm going to invite the prayer team uh, to come to the front. And um, if everyone else will, will just bow your head, um, just kind of get still for a second. I know some of y'all are making lunch plans, but I promise all those restaurants will be open in just a couple minutes. Just find a place to be still for just a second, because I think sometimes we can get so busy throughout the week that we, we don't even take a time to just think. And so this morning, what I'd like to, to do is this, is I want to ask you three questions, and then I'm going to pray, and I'm going to uh, invite you to come and pray with our prayer team. But the first question uh, I would like to ask this morning is this, if you're in here and you would say, Amber, um, man, I, I heard what you said, and and God is calling me to speak up. As you've been talking all morning, uh, God has listed people to me. And, and would you just pray and agree with me that, um, that I'll speak to those people, that I, I won't let busyness, I won't let life get in the way? If that's you, if you have a name on your heart this morning, will you just lift your hand up and put it right back down? This is a way of saying, hey, that, that's me. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. The second question I want to ask this morning is, is maybe you're in here and you would say, Amber, this week, this month, this year has been not what I expected. It's been rough. And this morning, um, I just need somebody to speak truth to me. I just need to be reminded. I just need to know I'm not alone. If that's you this morning, would you, would you lift your hand up? Put it right back down. Yeah, God sees you. He loves you. 
He never gets tired of reminding us how much he cares about us. Thank you. The last question I want to ask this morning is this. If, if you're in here and you'd say, Amber, um, I'm not really sure about the whole church thing. I'm not sure about Jesus and faith. But this morning, as you talked, I just, I just know I need to connect with that God you, you were talking about. I, I need to, to change some things. If that's you in here this morning, would you just lift your hand and put it right back down? Thank you. Here's what I'd like us to do. If you'll stand with me. This morning, um, I'm going to pray. And as I pray, if you raise your hand or if you didn't and you wanted to, or you're like, I'd actually like to pray about something totally different. Our, our prayer team's here. And as I pray, if you'll just begin to come, the worship team's going to lead us in a song. And, and, then, and then we'll be dismissed. But, but don't rush out of here this morning. God, God wants to use you. God wants to speak to you. So as I pray, if, if you raise your hand, begin to come. Jesus, we love you this morning. God, we thank you for the ability to speak your word, God, to partner with you, God, to, to speak truth into, into situations. And God, I thank you that you would use us, God, that you would use this church, God, that you would use the, this family, God, to, to speak life into our county. And so God, this morning, would you give us the, the courage, God, would you give us the boldness to speak? But Father, would you give us the burden? on our hearts. God, would you allow us to see people with your eyes and with your heart, that we would be moved to share the gospel, that we would be moved to share life with people. Father, I pray for those in this room this morning who, who maybe feel isolated or feel alone. Father, would you wrap your arms around them? God, would you speak to them personally this morning? Jesus, we love you.
glad you decided to, to come and be with us this morning. Um, you, you're dismissed, but go and go and speak to somebody. Speak to your your waitress or your server uh, this afternoon. Be blessed, and we'll we'll see you next week.